Welcome to Caffeinated Living. We're a podcast all about Jesus, all about ministry, and the things that keep us going. We are back for season number two. Woohoo! Season two. New season, man. We, we took a long break, but we're back, refreshed, got some new ideas, and another exciting thing. We do. But before we talk about the exciting thing, because this is like, you know, I've, I've been announcing this, so everybody thinks that we got some like, you know, something big coming, but we do have something big. It is. But I feel like this is spring training. Okay, why do you think it's spring training? Because you know the excitement you get when you get ready to head into spring training. Like, you're getting ready for the season. It's back. It's just, I don't know, because we, we went, what, a month and a half. Yeah, the longest and break. I missed it. Yeah. I missed it. It was, it was. we have people asking, when are we going to be back? So, we're back. We're back. We're back for season two with a special guest who has joined the caffeinated living team. Yeah. We so, got a third person now. It's not just person. me and Rob. So I know. So, Mr. Dustin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Dustin's been on this show before. When whenever we were talking about our RV chronicles and uh, all the things <laughs> that happened in that conference episode, so uh, me and Rob talked, and we're like, "Man, Dustin would be the perfect person to add to this show. Just his insight and wisdom, and uh, pearls he's got, of wisdom. Yeah, that's he, what he brings to the uh, table. I don't know about the wisdom aspect of that, but." He's here to, to keep here. us on track because that, sometimes we get off the rails a little bit. Well, just adding another person brings more depth to the conversation, I think. Yeah. Bring, I think brings another voice. That. We've seen that whenever we do like those interview episodes. Yeah. It's just, one, it's easier, too. It's easier to keep the conversation going, and I think it's just fuller. It's got more meat to the bones. Yeah. So I'm excited. Dustin, he's going to provide some valuable insight. I mean, Kyle, we always have valuable insights. Well, uh, according to Colin, I we have valuable insights. Yeah. But I mean, no, I, I like having that third person. It, it's yeah. it's going to be fun, especially with the topics that we're getting ready to discuss. Yeah. Because I think you and I pretty much think a lot alike sometimes. Right. And I'm pretty sure Dustin, you would fall in that trap too. But it's just good to have a different voice every now and then. So with that, uh, I read an article over Christmas, and I sent it to Kyle. I said, man, we could do something with this. This, this would be like a fun conversation to have. Uh, the name of the article was 12 Topics Youth Ministries Avoid. Mm. And so it didn't go into depth with any of these, but I basically I just took all the titles, and I wrote them down, and I sent them to Kyle. And I said, what do you think about this? He's like, yeah, I like it. I don't know if you really liked it or not, but he told me he liked it, so we're going to go with it. So we're going to take... 12 topics, one each week, so that's going to give us 12 weeks, and we're just going to kind of discuss that in depth and how it relates to our ministries, and then how you can relate that to your life or your ministry. Yeah, because I don't know if we said this in the previous episode Dustin was on, but Dustin is also a pastor, but he's also a youth pastor, and he works with college students, so uh, just another voice just to add yeah. to this conversation is going to be good, because a lot of these things I think local churches really avoid. Um, youth ministries avoid, pastors avoid, and uh, some of them are hard conversations. I would say every single one of these is a tough, hard conversation. Well, and, and that, that, that's what I was wondering. Like, why are these conversations that people avoid? Is it because we try to do a, a, a preaching, teaching schedule, and we try to stay, quote-unquote, relevant yeah. to what's going on in youth culture and in the world, and we kind of pull away from some more of the topics and some of the meteor things that would make it not awkward, but harder to discuss. Hmm. 
Yeah, I kind of had that thought on the way here. Like, why are these things, especially the topic we're going to talk about today, why are these things hard? Because they shouldn't be hard. They should be something that just flows naturally. But do you ever feel like, I don't know, Dustin, you ever feel like this? Sometimes in our teaching, we, we end up saying the same thing over again. Love Jesus, read your Bible, pray, and share your faith. All are great, but at the end of the day, you probably look back, at least if you're me, you look back and you're like, I just said the same thing I said last week. But we should be saying that. But I think it comes back to we're worrying about are we staying relevant? You see all these relevant um, hmm. series people are doing with catchy yep. titles and, and fun intros and all that kind of stuff, and you're just worried about, ah, oh, man, the basics are kind of boring. But the basics are everything. Right. I don't know. Do you ever feel like that, Dustin? Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. I think um, I think these topics are hard to talk about hmm. because people, I think in our current culture, especially with cancel culture, which yeah. we all know is hmm. pretty prevalent, we're afraid that if we say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, we're going to either be silenced or we're going to be mm. um, rejected. Uh, I mean, nobody really, you know, likes that. And then, too, I think we won't, we don't want to really dive into these issues because I've, I'm a, we're afraid of what people's responses are going to be yeah. to us. But if we're being faithful to the Word, the Word pretty much tells us that's going to happen. Yeah, Because hmm. with true. truth comes rejection. I think that brings us right into what we're going to talk about today. It's so, the word. Yep. So I'm going to let you bring us up to that. Well, can I, can I quickly just list off the topics? Yeah, do just, that. You know, just kind of has a... So the 12 topics, they were how to read the Bible, which is what we're going to discuss today. Sexual identity, hmm. which that could be that could be an awkward conversation just in general. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, tolerance racial issues, sacrifice, hmm. the Old Testament, homelessness, hell, spiritual disciplines, work, and then the cost of discipleship. Hmm. So It's going to be mean, a good 12 weeks, man. Uh, th- those are hard topics. I mean, I, to I guess think I didn't through. realize when you sent it to me, sacrifice was one of them. Um, yeah, I guess that is hard to talk about. Oh, yeah, especially when you're in a me-centered culture. Yeah. It's yeah. all about me. Yeah. Who cares about the other guy? Yeah. As long as it benefits me. Well, and when I was asking Dustin the other day when we were calling him, you know, asking if he'd want to join us this season, I found it interesting that when our, our topic of hell is going to be on the Friday before Easter. Mm. So, I mean, that, that's just very fitting. I think all these, I think all these topics are fitting that we're going to see, see this happen throughout our culture. Yeah. Fast. Mm-hmm. So, how to read the Bible. This one I find that this is a, one of the top 12 avoided topics in youth ministry. Yeah, if you were to rank those things, I don't think that would be the hardest thing. But, but it comes back to relevancy. So many people would say the Bible isn't relevant. The Bible is a fairy tale. The Bible is not scientifically accurate or, or historically accurate. But we would argue and say otherwise. Right. But then I guess the question that's been running through my head with this, is there a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible? Huh. I don't know. Should there be? I'm going to turn it back to you. <laughs> Sorry, Dustin, should it be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
ask this guy over here. <laughs> but I do think if we're talking about reading the Bible and talking about as doing that as pastors, I think a lot of times, me personally, sometimes I get it confused on my mm-hmm. weekly study and then actually reading the Bible. Sometimes I think that those two are the same things, but they're, they're not. Um, That's a good point. Where sometimes you think about when you just read a regular book, you're, you're doing it for your own knowledge or your own um, personal enjoyment, but then you study something and you take a different approach to it. And God's Word, I think it should be something that's intimate. It shouldn't just be something that we see as, I'm just doing this to gain something out of it. I'm doing this so I can teach it to somebody else. So should we do do them separately? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you say it that way, it makes it makes more sense. Yeah. That's that just a question I had with you know when it comes to how to read the Bible. So, what are your thoughts there, Dustin? I would have to agree. I think um, if you just read the Bible versus studying the Bible, it's easy to pick it up. And just read through it and have no meaning in your life whatsoever. Just like a book. You pick up a book, you read it, you go on about your business. It doesn't really change your mind, it doesn't change your perspective. Unless it's a a book that you're really trying to read to gain some knowledge or some insight, then maybe. But I think if you actually study God's Word and apply that, then it changes who you are. It changes your perspective. It changes the way you live your life. So I think there is a big difference in just reading and studying. I mean, both go hand in hand. Right. right. Um, but I think it's actually studying it. Perspective, yeah. So, let me ask you this real quick. Have either of you ever read the entire Bible? I haven't. I, I would love to. I mean, it's one of those things that before I die, I better have done that <laughs> multiple times. But um, have you, either of you guys ever read it? The I've tried. Thing? I haven't made it all the way through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't. I'm not a person I read it from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah, I'm not saying. But I, I would much rather, like, if I'm working through a book, read it, like, through that way. Yeah. But to read it straight through in a, in a you know, like, you have all these Bibles. Read the Bible in a year. Yeah, or chronologically, yeah, I think it's like, cool. Or, yeah. I don't know. That's something that I've always wanted to do. So. It'd be interesting. So, you should choose one message a week out of all the books of the Bible. Like, do a central theme of that book. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've ever told you guys this, but I had a buddy of mine who was getting ordained, and in, in his ordination council, um, his council asked him to find Jesus in every single book of the Bible. And it took him about four or five days to come back with a response. So uh, that's pretty intimidating. But that's possible. No, for sure no. possible. It's that's what's possible. incredible about the Bible. Redemption's woven from Genesis to Revelation. Mm. Yeah. So how how do we read the Bible? Like what what keeps us, what keeps our students, what keeps our parents and our families from wanting to read the Bible? Dustin, I know mm. you got I know you got a statistic over there. No, well <laughs> not quite ready for that yet. But, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think um I think if people get bogged down on where to start because I mean depending on what book yeah. you read like somebody might try to read Leviticus and they're <laughs> like hey, what right <laughs> so yeah, I think it all kind of begins with helping them pick some passages that are not as difficult and then hopefully as they grow in their faith and then 
reading God's Word, they can go to Leviticus and be able to understand that. So I think it's kind of helping them navigate where to start would be. I mean, that's how I would start with my students is saying, here's some books that I recommend, you know, Gospel of Matthew, John, Proverbs, because there's, you know, 31 in there. They can... So stuff like Great that so they can day. yeah. So they can just kinda know where to begin and not be like brand new Christian, they're like, Well, I'm gonna start reading in Genesis and they get to numbers and Leviticus and it's like, Okay, I'm done reading. Yeah. So or I, I mean we're we're in the month of February now. And you think about how many people in January said, I'm gonna read the entire Bible, like you said, in a year and how many people made it to page three where they talk about sin and then they start introducing all these names and they're just like, I'm done. Yep. <laughs> but it is true. Like, where do you start? Like, where? So you said that you recommend Proverbs and Matthew and John. Yeah, John is the book that I'm always just like, you want to know the gospel? Start in John. But Proverbs is another great one because um, wisdom and just like you said, the amount of Proverbs there are is 31. It's it's practical still today. There's so many things in Proverbs that are still practical, like spending too much time with somebody can get old like you can get on each other's nerves that's in the proverbs (laughs) like there's things that are practical that you can still use today all throughout scripture but i think that's a good place to start knowing where to start is key and then seeing it as a whole picture like i think so many times we look at the bible and we look at all these different books and we see that they're all in one book but we don't see the entire story as one story does that make sense like so many times we, we try to grasp it at, at this big event, this big event, this type of thing. Well, what does it have to do with everything? Well, what's the key theme of Scripture? Jesus, right? Redemption. Uh, it's a love story, and it's all in there. It's just how are you viewing it all together? And that's so hard for any Christian, but especially a new Christian to grasp, I think, especially teenagers. And it's how we convey that to them. Do you think it makes a difference on how we encourage them to read the Bible? For example, a lot of people do not like history. I love history. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to read the Bible because it's historical. A lot of people will read the Bible to see it more as a stories that these aren't real people, but you know, they're they're here the, to to apply this to my life, yeah. Type thing, like life application Bibles. Yeah, <laughs> life I worked at Lifeway, and that was the number one selling Bible. Is because we we forget that the Bible is history. Like the people we're reading about were actual people, just like us. It, it, they're not made up, yeah. Fictional characters, you know. Do you, do you think that makes a difference sometimes with people? Because the Bible isn't about us. I mean, it isn't. And I think when we look at Scripture, when we look at God's Word, how often do we try to immediately pull out of it, how does this apply to me? A lot. And we do that in our teaching. Um, But here's what I would say is the details matter. Like the history matters. Wouldn't you want sure, yeah. wouldn't you want something that has all these details and has all of these places and all of these people to point back to and say, here is proof. I mean I do, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's weighty. Sometimes that feels like it's too much or 
like drinking yeah. from a fire hydrant, so to speak. Yeah. I, I think, too, um, in my years in seminary, I think one of the things my professors always told me is context is king. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know the history, then you're, then you're going to look at that passage and say, oh, this is what this means to me, which, granted, that we should take something right. away from it, but pulling that out of its context is dangerous. Mm. That could become heretical. I mean, any of those things could happen. So I think, I mean, I tell my students all the time that they have to understand the history of it. And because if they understand the history of it, then they realize <laughs> these are written by real people. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it even more that, that much greater. Because yeah. you realize well, this ain't some made-up fairy tale. God really took these broken people, mm-hmm. David, for instance, man after God's own heart. I mean, just those stories and those things make it relevant to us today. Mm. So then if we go back and look at the details, we, we pull out the story, like look at it from the whole, from the wide view instead of right there. As pastors, we easily understand that every graduation, when we pull up good old Jeremiah and say, <laughs> I mean, you know, like yeah, yeah. there's those verses, it's like, no, that, well, that's, that's not that's really. That's just like Philippians 4.13. Yeah. We all know what that is. We can yeah. do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I mean, that doesn't mean you can, you know, you can jump off a building and grow wings and fly. I mean, <laughs> somehow my... Hopefully not. Some of might interpret it that way, but that's not necessarily what that passage means. So there again, looking at the context of Philippians and understanding the history completely changes what you think about Philippians 4.13. Yeah, that, that's funny you bring that up. One of the books that I was reading over Christmas or you know, January 2, it was talking about more like from an athletic standpoint, how athletes are always you see Philippians 4.13 on, on yeah. their shoes or I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Oh, I got the win and touchdown. I can do all things through Christ. Mm. But you never hear them say that when they fumble a ball. You, you never see them say that when they call a timeout and they don't have any timeouts and it costs their team the game. Yeah. Like you never see them, you know, I just thought that was funny you brought that up. That's because mm. yeah, It's all based on what God's will is for your life. It's not necessarily – well, this is what I can do, and if I can do it, God's going to give me the strength to do yeah. this. You know, you you flipped it around to be about you versus what God has made it to be. So, then what's the purpose of reading the Bible? Man, that's a loaded question. A good well, question. Uh, no, but no I mean, because we, 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 we've all done yeah. this. I know we have. Yeah. I know y'all well enough that we have all encouraged our students to say, hey, we want you digging into the Scriptures. We, we want you reading the Bible. This week, two days. Aim for two days this week. Read the Bible. Yeah. But why do we read the Bible? Why do we encourage them to read the Bible? Connection. I think we want to stay connected to who Jesus is. Um, and having that personal relationship, having that personal connection of these are the words of God. Like these were written by all of these men all of those years ago, but this is still the voice of God. And it is knowledge. It is growth. It is um, some of it, too, I think, is discipline. Like how often do we see um, you know, we were talking about weight loss before this and dieting and different things like that. What What is that the number one attribute to doing those things? Discipline. 
And I think reading scripture is also the discipline in doing that. But more than that, it, it, it comes back to connection. Like your personal, there's that word personal, connection to who God is and what his story is. Not just for your life, but for all creation, for the world. And where are you in that story? And how are you growing in it? And how are you growing in knowledge? And are you disciplining yourself enough to do it? So it's all woven in there. It's just how are we portraying that students? I think that's the, where it starts is what is your connection to God and how are you connecting to him? How are you growing in that relationship with him? Same way in all of our marriages, all right? We come home, we spend time with our wives, Lord willing, and we have conversations with them. That's why prayer is important. I don't know if that's one of the topics. I don't think it is. Nah. But I mean, you could throw that in there. Yeah, you could. But, but reading God's word is all back to that relationship and connection and how we're hearing from him. That's a good one. I think, too, we encourage our students to read because obviously we live in a very, what I would call a hopeless society. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there, there seems to be no hope at every corner. Obviously, 2020 was hard on everyone, um, and then everybody thought 2021 was going to be better. <laughs> so now you see the memes out there. It's like, can I return 2021 to go back? <laughs> So I just think there's no there's no hope, and so, and a lot of times, you, and you guys can probably agree to this, but you ask your students that will talk to you about things like, they just don't feel like there's no peace, there's no hope. They, mm. and then you always ask them, well, have you been in the Word? What's their response normally? No, no. no. So I think. Well, I've been meaning to. Yeah. But. And you, and then it automatically, you know, well, that's why, because they're not in the Word, because God's Word pretty much tells us what we're seeing is just a fulfillment of what has been proclaimed throughout Genesis and to Revelation. We know that's coming, and then we know that in the end, we know we know all we know the outcome. We know who mm. who wins. So I just think it helps our students to be encouraged to know that there is hope, mm. um, just because 2021 stinks. Um, God's still on his throne, and unless you're in the Word and studying that, you kind of get bogged down and you get discouraged. Mm. And I think hope's, hope's important. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. What about encouraging, and not just our students, but for us, knowing what the Bible says? Mm. Yeah. I mean, for, for one, that's the basis of what we believe of what we live our life on. But then when you come to a society or a culture where we're at, where the Bible isn't as relevant as it once was, you know, you have the Quran, Book of Mormon, we got Jehovah's Witnesses, we got atheists. Like, that's hard to combat that, to tell our students to those aren't real yeah you you might as well just go to the local bookstore go get your self-help books because that's basically what those are i mean i'm not i'm not trying to offend anybody there but god's word is god's word yeah it's true book of mormon another testament of jesus christ well jesus didn't have another testament (laughs) 
he didn't Jesus didn't ascend into heaven and stop off in the Americas and appear to the Indians and be like, Oh, hello, here I am. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's trying to get people to understand that this is the truth of what we believe, of why we live our life the way we do. I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking. What do y'all think? Let me ask this question. Okay. Does the Bible have to be relevant? Like we're talking about fighting for relevance. We're talking about um, the relevancy of it today, but does it have to be relevant? And I don't mean that like accuracy wise. I'm saying like, like, does it have to not hold the test of time? I'm not saying that way. Don't feel like I'm going down that path, but I'm saying, does it have to be relevant? Does it have to be, this is how you fight depression. This is how you fight whatever you're dealing with, so to speak. Um, whereas those self-help books, you easily could pick that up, turn to that page, understand it, and not have to go backwards in time, so to speak. I think the difference being, why are you turning to the self-help books? That's right. The Bible points to a Savior. Mm. Yeah, that's good. The, the Bible points to Jesus. That's good. Yet, the Bible's not going to give you a point by point by point. If if you're fighting depression, th- these are the three steps you need to take. Or if yeah. you're if you're having a hard time trusting people, these are steps you need to. But it's relevant in the sense that it points us to Jesus. That that is our hope. What what Dustin was saying, and that everything else is minor to that. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's good. I think that's the perfect answer to that question. Yeah, I think, too, um, Scripture, as Rob was saying, needs, I mean, it, it is relevant because self-help books and those kind of things are temporary. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So you can only do so much with those, but Scripture is eternal. Mm. Um, and if we believe... Write that down if you just heard that. If we believe... <laughs> God's word. We believe that it's inspired. It's without error. Um, I think it it's going to be relevant. That's good. Because um, Scripture is clear that truth doesn't return void. That's good. Scripture doesn't return void. I should say, but in Scripture is truth, and we believe that. Then that's going to be eternal. It's going to be lasting, more lasting so than than your self help book. Mm, that's good. So yeah, I think I think Scripture is relevant. That's all the questions I had. I can't think of anything else at the moment. If you're I talking mean, about teaching somebody to read the Bible, so we all went to some sort of Bible school where we were taught how to diagram Scripture and had to do all that kind of stuff and um, made our brain hurts, at least for some of the projects <laughs> that I had to do, breaking down Scripture. But how do you put that on a, on a teenage level? Like, how do you think, and I'm not saying draw it out for me, but like... That's good, because I couldn't do that anyway. Yeah, I know. Neither could I. But if you're talking about things to look for in Scripture, what are some things that we could point our students to say, look for these things? What do you think? I think, well, <laughs> this is this is interesting, because we did a... Uh, it's probably been about two years. I so probably about time to redo this again, but I did... Uh, 
kind of a one night thing where I taught students how to how to read and study God's word. Yeah. Some things I told them to look for. Um, so like I always tell them look for commands to obey. What is God mm. saying to you in His Word? What? No. Uh, look what He's saying to your Word. Commands to obey. Um, look for promises that you can claim. Sins to avoid. Applications to make. And something new that you see in there about God. So those are things that I say that again. Encourage say, say that one more time. So commands to obey, mm-hmm. promises to claim, sins to avoid, applications to make, and then new things about God. That's good. That's good. I think, too, looking at the historical side of it, too, what are things that you could pull from history um, to make it more rock solid, to point back to saying, oh, this is truth, because I can look back on history, and I can see that, I can touch that, I can pull that up on Google. But all of that's good. All of that's good. You just said I could pull it up on Google. No, like if you. No, I, I, I yeah, yeah, I, I get it. It talks about in Scripture the Potter's Field when when Judas sells basically sells out Jesus and gives the money back to the priests. You you can pull. Well, what is the Potter's Field and does it actually exist? Where is it? So yeah, just things like that. You can Google it. <laughs> So, do you, do you have some statistics for us about something? Well, I, I have a I, I read an article um, in uh, together for the well the Gospel Coalition, and they they had a a recent study by uh, Lifeway. I found this interesting because it says that basically thirty two percent of Americans who attend a Protestant church regularly say they read regularly say they read the Bible personally every day. And then evangelical Protestants fared a little bit better with 36%, but not much. Um, and it went on to say in that article that Dr. Moeller said that um, the scandal of biblical illiteracy is our problem. Hmm. And that would make sense if only 32% of Americans say they actually read the Bible personally every day. And then you were saying Google, and the article went on to talk about how um, they used the word Google has probably made us stupid. Yeah. Uh, for lack of a better word, because, I mean, we're surrounded by so many distractions. You got Instagram, you got Twitter, you got TikTok, Disney Plus, all these things that draw us away from it. So then it makes sense that 32% of Americans um, say they actually read the Bible personally every day. And, and it would explain our current culture. Because uh, yeah. I tell my students this all the time, too, that when you, when the vertical relationship is right, everything on that horizontal is going to fall into place. Right. And that's why that's why we see what we see in our culture because that vertical is not there. So everything on the horizontal is just kind of in shambles. I would I wonder what it would look like if more of our parents, not our parents, but our students' parents, were more bitter, biblically literate. Like, what would that look like? Because most of our students come for biblical knowledge to church or to their Sunday school teacher or to their youth pastor or children's pastor, whatever it may be. But what would, it look, what would it look like if more parents were doing that teaching and had a better understanding? Um, it would be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that our job as youth pastors is to come alongside parents and to teach what they're teaching, to reinforce that. But we know the majority of the time that's not 
the case. Um, right. The parents pretty much depend on us to teach their kids, which um, you're right. If I think they did do that, it would be a little. We'd have we'd see a little bit of a different dynamic in our groups. But so we should be targeting the parents with how to study and read the scripture and how to teach that daily. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sitting here reading a uh, statistic from the Barna group. Mm. It says, how often, if ever, do you actually read the Bible, not including times when you're at church service or church event? 27% never. Mm. 14% less than once a year. 9% once or twice a year. 8% three or four times a year. 7% once a month. 8% 8% once a week, 14% several times, four plus times a week, 13% every day, and then 2% not sure. So that's, that's a wide demographic there. 13% is higher than I thought it would be. Of the every day? Yeah. Yeah, same here. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's sad on our part for thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> I, right. I mean, I'm just, you know... Right. Realistically, I, I, I'm kind of shocked by that. And that's for Christians? Yes. Oh, maybe that, it, yeah. I was just thinking everyday people. No, no, the, 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 this one is, it's a, uh, now there, what, there is another study they have on here about why they read the Bible, which is what we talked about earlier. 55% said it brings me closer to God. 16% I need comfort. Sixteen percent. I have a problem, or I need to solve, or I need direction. Six percent. I know I'm supposed to. So almost legalism. Almost if it's three uh, percent, it's part of my studies at school, and then four percent, not sure. Hmm. It's interesting. Very interesting stuff. How often we take it for granted too. I mean, you hear you hear the stories of all these Gideons sharing these these stories of people finding scripture and finding the hope that you were talking about, and how much it just changed them instantly, and how much it can change us instantly every single day, and how much we just take it for granted because we're we're seeking hope and all these things that you mentioned, all these things that are drawing our attention, and how much turning to scripture and seeing things that we should be remembering and hope we should be getting from it it it's life-changing stuff we just take it for granted yeah that's so true that's interesting so sum all this up Mm -hmm. Uh, i like what dustin said earlier about the ways to go about reading or studying the bible Uh, i think that was excellent that's, that's something everybody could take away from this. But how do you guys read the Bible? Hmm. I mean, I'm right there with you, Kyle. I'm as guilty as the next person that the lines begin to blur when I'm reading my Bible and I'm working on a sermon. Yeah. I mean, th- those lines start to blur heavily with that. So just real quick. Has there been a technique or a method or something that's worked for you guys that has 
kept you reading the Bible, kept you growing in your faith? I'll tell you what was a game changer for me, literally a game changer, because I grew up in a church where you didn't write in your Bible. You didn't highlight, didn't write, Mm. period. But what was a game changer for me were these note-taking or journaling Bibles. They had enough space in the margin to be able to write your thoughts in that moment right then and right there, and you could come back to that. And the more times when I'm able to read something and then try to comprehend it and then put it into a thought or what, what did I get out of it, I think that is what changed it for me. Because we could, like you were telling us the other day, Dustin, we could read things five or six times and not fully understand it. But when you fully start writing it out and, and putting it not into different words, but words that might be, you might be able to understand it a little bit better. That's That personally was a game changer for me, mm-hmm. is being able to have a journaling Bible and a note-taking Bible anywhere that I go. Um, and I use those Bibles not for personal study, but for the time where I'm spending time with the Lord. Because I, I don't want to get it twisted that this is where the lines are crossing, like you said. That I'm not trying to teach this to somebody. And that sounds bad because the things we get out of the Bible should be things that we're teaching. But that, that's my time. And that's my time with the Lord. So when I was able to write it down, highlight it, that was the technique that helped me the most. Okay. What about you, Dustin? I think, hmm. well, since you guys confessed i'll confess too i have um i have two kids one's two and one's uh five months and so a lot of your time gets devoted to that and so yeah sometimes we do find ourselves i know when preparing a sermon i'll think oh i did my reading for the day but there again there's there's your personal time and then there's the time that you dedicate to 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 educating yourself and learning what scripture says so you can communicate that to your students but I've learned that if, you know, you're not first feeding yourself, there's only so much you can give out. Eventually, yep. you're going to burn mm. out. Yep. Mm. Um, and so I think, and those things I talked about, you know, the commands to obey, those are the kind of things that I do. So um, I have a, an NIV at home. It's the, not the nearly inspired version, <laughs> as most people would say. It's the, I think it's the 19-whatever version that they didn't do a lot of edits to. But in that one, you can look at it. And some of the words you can't even really read anymore because it's just wrote everywhere. So I would, if I see a command to obey, I'd put like, cause of course you couldn't write all that. I'd put like CTO on the top of it. So I would know, hey, there's a command that I need to obey. And I'd be like, okay, God, is that applied to my life? Am I using that? And so I would basically, the stuff I taught my students was the stuff that I was using. <laughs> um, so promises to claim, sins to avoid. How am I going to make that application? And then the other thing I would do too is uh, I would use, has you ever heard of the war method when it comes to prayer? Mm-mm. So basically what you would do, the W stands for like worship him. So you would praise God for the things he's done in your life because I think we get focused all about us and we forget that God is good. He's done some good things. So let's praise him for it. Um, the A is admit sin. Uh, we all have sin in our lives. And then finally, make your request known to him. Hmm. So those are the kind of things I would do. Um, and I still use those to this day. Um, and the biggest game changer was those things. And I, I found those through um, the uh, Every Man a Warrior study. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically went through all three books. Now they've just added a fourth. Um, and that was a huge game changer in how I read God's Word. So. Good deal. I like it. Yeah, I mean, mine's always been somewhat very similar to that approach. Like, 
underlining or circling commands if, if it's there. The hardest time's always been when you're reading something and you don't see those commands. When you read through First Kings, Second Kings, and you're like, uh, okay. I mean, it's, but I enjoy it. But for me, and, and, and this was extremely hard because this is something I had to develop. But what you said at the very beginning about your buddy being asked, where can you find Christ in every single book? Yeah. That's what I like to try to do when I read. That's hard. Very. That's hard. But all, doable. Doable and intimidating. Um, I said one other thought. Like this being the number one on the topics that youth ministries avoid. Do you think they avoid it because we'll keep using this word and I don't mean to. But do you think it's we don't mean to not make the Bible relevant? Yeah. But when we're not encouraging students to bring their Bible, to open up God's word with us as we're teaching teaching them, trying to engage conversation with them about God's word. But maybe sometimes ministries have gotten, and if you're listening to this and it's you, I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just thinking outside, thinking out, you know, out loud for a moment. We become so focused on what the stage looks like, or what our set looks like, or our playlist, or the way I'm presenting scripture, or we kind of lost the the essential of it's God's word. Just trust it. I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah. It's just a thought. I always have students that will say, I can't understand the Bible. And the first question I always ask them, and this is part of me working at Lifeway, is which translation are you reading? Mm. You mentioned the NIV, and I have a lot of students who um, they download the Bible app or they've had a Bible on their nightstand that was presented to them years ago. And it's the King James Bible, and they just can't fully understand it. So the first question I always ask is, what's the translation? And if it's that translation, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the translation of the King James, but sometimes it's hard to understand. And sometimes we need things broken down into a more modern time. Yeah. And just as simple as changing that up, you can understand Scripture so much easier and better. So what's your Bible of choice? My of choice? Just real quick, we'll, we'll, we'll end with this. Take a quick break real quick, but your Bible of choice. Christian Standard right now. Okay. I have two. Uh, either use the New American or the ESV. That's mine. New American, ESV. Which, when I was in college, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't stand it in ASB. I don't know why. It was like so hard to read, but now it's like, oh. So maybe, maybe that comes with a little bit of age and hopefully a little bit of wisdom in that too. Maybe I don't know, but... <laughs> So, well, good talks. Thanks for your input, guys. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. So, we're going to take a quick break, and then we have a, a new format for you coming oh, up. Yeah. This is something Kyle has been... We're ditching the draft this season. Uh-oh. This is going to get interesting. So, all right, we'll be right back. All right, and we are back. New format, what you got for us? All right, so I, I kind of just told you 
the way that we're going to do it, but I didn't tell you what the topic is going to be today. So this season of the Caffeinated Living podcast, last, last season we were doing the draft style and kind of making our own choices. This season we're going to have a topic uh, and we're going to fill out a bracket just randomly. So ahead of time I filled out a bracket and we're going to basically narrow it down until we get a winner. Have a discussion and a battle between two things each round and then we go to the semifinals and then the championship round. So today's discussion is a good one. It's a controversial one, but it's a good one. It's chicken establishments. So we're going to start easy this week. Chicken establishments. So, and I, there's a ton of chicken establishments. You could go more local and that type of thing. I just went with the big ones. And there's another one that I, I saw out there called Raisin Canes. That's not around here, so I didn't count it. So I just did things that are around here, okay? So the first matchup is um, Bojangles versus PDQ. Okay, so th- these are kind of in our area. In our area. You please may have t- never had Please tell had me it. you got chicken in a basket on there. No, it's a local place. All right, Bojangles versus PDQ. And this is just random. Popeyes versus Zaxby's. Chick-fil-A, and I reach for this next one, Buffalo Wild Wings. Still is okay. a chicken establishment. Yeah. All right, and Church's Chicken versus KFC. Okay, so first one. Is Dude, where do we have a church's Bojangles. chicken at? Oh, that's what I was about to ask. They're, they're round, okay. but they're not in Hickory where we live. All right, Bojangles versus PDQ. Oh, gosh. Is, is, that, is that even a debate? Uh, for me, it is. Uh, I love PDQ. Bojangles, man. Yeah, Bojangles is good, but I think it's a discussion. I think There's no discussion. Of, North Carolina. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What What's better quality food? Bojangles. What do you think? Oh Dustin? gosh, <laughs> you're the, you're, that's why I'm we just, brought a third person. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm going PDQ, but I think we should have this discussion. Well, the only time I made it PDQ is when I got a gift card for ten bucks. <laughs> it is expensive. <laughs> so, let's 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 throw that out there. PDQ yeah. is probably the most expensive on so, this list. Yeah, I would have to say I was more impressed with Bojangles than I was PDQ. <laughs> and and if we're going with the chicken establishment, you can get, but you can get more than just chicken at Bojangles too. So never mind that that that's a flawed argument. Never you can mind get salads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I, Bojangles, too. I just think it's a better menu. You, you, you can't get a Bowberry biscuit at PDQ. No, but you can get some of the best milkshakes you've ever had at That's PDQ. That's true. I'll give you like, that. Like, they had a Pop-Tart milkshake oh. last year, hmm. a uh, Circus Animal Frosted Cookie milkshake, Cocoa Pebble. I'm telling you. It, I can feel my sugar they've raising. They've got Cheerwine. Has a, they've got Cheerwine at PDQ in a glass bottle. So, And I can tell you this. Every time I leave PDQ, I never feel bloated. Like their food is just clean food, so it's good. But I'm still going with Bojangles, so we all agreement. Bojangles moves on. All right. Okay, next one. Popeyes versus Zaxby's. I think I know where Dustin's going with this because of what his draft was episodes ago. But what do you guys think? Popeyes versus Zaxby's. Oh, you should probably know where I would go with that. What? Zaxby's all the way. Yeah. Not even discussion. Popeyes was good. I, the Popeyes first time I had it was on the have way. Have you had to, the chicken sandwich? There? I have on the way to Winter Jam with my students. Everybody's like, "We have to eat at Popeyes," so that's what we did. It it's good. Bad. Yeah, it's good. But they it might said, not be better than another one on this list, but well, that's probably true. Thing I love about Popeyes, the seasoned fries are on point, and the sweet tea is the best out of everyone on this list. Things I love about Zaxby's, Zach sauce, mm-hmm. and pellet ice. Hmm. Tell me pellet ice isn't amazing. But, again, we're talking about chicken here. 
Popeyes has got a little Cajun to it. Popeyes? Man, the last time I ate at a Popeyes, I was in I was in college. When we weren't born. <laughs> so just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Really? Last time you, you've never eaten at the one around here? No. I like Popeyes because sometimes <laughs> they have shrimp, and I like shrimp. But Try beside Taco Bell and Hickory. There yeah. you go. If we're judging chicken, Zaxby's, I agree. Are we all in agreement? I think so. Yeah. All right. So we haven't had a heated discussion yet. We will when we move on. This <laughs> one's going to be easy, I think. Chick-fil-A versus Buffalo Wild Wings. Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A for sure. Yeah. If you'd put it against East Coast Wings. Yeah, but not, not many people know what that is. I know, but I'm just saying. So, yeah, for Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm not a... Yeah, last time I had Buffalo Wild Wings, I ordered something. And I got like 10 French fries. <laughs> and I think I had like two pieces of chicken. That was it. And it was like $15. <laughs> yeah. So, I think I'll go with Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, which I just moved Chick-fil-A to number two in my fast food rankings behind Cookout. Love Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. but I still think Cookout's better. Just personally. Um, this one, I've never had Church's Chicken, but I just put it on the list versus KFC. I'm pretty sure Church's Chicken is kind of like Popeye's, but uh, in between KFC and Popeye's. Yeah, I, I I, don't even know if I know where Church's Chicken even is. There's some in Winston-Salem, some in Charlotte. Man, I mean, just the fact that I've never had it. I mean, yeah. I, I have to go with KFC just because I can get the grilled chicken. That, that, that's like my go-to. You don't like KFC, do you? Nope. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't really know much about churches either, so yeah. it's like I'm going to be out of this one. So, But if you had to vote, which one are you saying? If I had to vote, I guess I would choose KFC. Yeah. Reluctantly, but I would choose. I don't mind KFC. You and I, Rob, have had this discussion. Yeah. Our wives yeah. hate it, Yeah. but there's there's some redeeming qualities about a KFC. I like their, their potato wedges, but they got rid of those. They, they got rid of them. Now, so. Really? Yeah, yeah, a little depressing. Sometimes KFC tries way too hard, though. They do. Like the donut chicken sandwich, the Cheetos chicken sandwich. Like, no, that was good. See, but they're trying way too that hard. That was good, though. They're I, commercials. I like that one. They try way too hard. They introduce a new kernel every episode. Yeah. But, but again, I like KFC because I can get the grilled chicken. Yeah. And you, you don't get all the grease all right. that comes through that. So. Semifinals. Bojangles versus Zaxby's. This is a tough one. This is one I don't know which one's going to move on. I'm still going with Bojangles. Mm. I think we're going to have differing opinions, people. Yeah. I I like Bojangles, but... I can't get the three-piece meal with two sides of Zaxby's. Well, that's true. You get the three-piece, that's your go-to. Yeah. Bojangles is a little cheaper. It is cheap. And a little faster. Sometimes Zaxby's could be slow. That's true. But the floor is always sticky. It is sticky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you walk through. That means they use too much detergent by the water. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, I'd say Zaxby's. Yeah. So I'm the final vote here. Mm-hmm. Man. No pressure. See, but between these two places, I don't get like bone-in chicken. I always just get chicken strips at both of them. I get either the Zach snack meal or chicken supremes. And if I'm judging it based on those two options, oh, I think Supremes comes out on top. I love Zaxby's, though, but I don't like crinkle fries, my least favorite fry. So I'm going Chicken Supremes. Bojangles moves on. Sorry, Dustin. That's okay. Zaxby's fries are like McDonald's fries. If you get them when they're hot, man, they are amazing. But 
if they get cold, it's like, nope, they're done. Yeah, they're they're done. On them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next next in the semifinals, Chick-fil-A versus KFC. <laughs> Chick-fil-A's got an easy bracket. <laughs> yeah. They got an easy way to the championship yeah. here. Chick- Chick-fil-A all the way. <laughs> You're about to say KFC? I don't know how this is the choice. It's not, but I just can't diss KFC, man. I mean, KFC's got What do you like about KFC? KFC's been faithful to Rob. It has been, man. Back back when I used to have the buffet. The buffet. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. I remember man. the buffet. Chick fil A's never had a buffet. Imagine if they did. Oh, Lord. You ever been to <laughs> the Dwarf House in Georgia? Yeah. That, that's awesome. You can get like full on meals. You can, get, meals. You can yeah. get like a whole. I mean, you can get breakfast Chick fil A. You and I meals. went there. Yeah, when we went to an Auburn game, we went there. You, yeah. I mean, if I go Chick Fil A, I'm getting the, the chicken sandwich. Spicy. Sometimes I get the spicy. I I go, I go both. So yeah, I'll go Chick Fil A. Forgive right. me KFC, but I'll go Chick Fil A. Yeah, uh, it's easy. Chick Fil A. All right, this one, Bojangles versus Chick Fil A championship. The best chicken establishment, in our opinion, the caffeinated living chicken establishment. What do you say? Mm. Gosh, that's hard. One is the House of the Lord. One is a North Carolina staple. One is the South Shall Rise Again. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is not an endorsement, people. That is. (laughs) Yep, nope. North Carolina born and raised. All right, I'll All right. say this about Bojangles fries. But Chick-fil-A fries are kind of the same way. If you get them undercooked and under-seasoned, they're terrible. But the Chick-fil-A fry, if you get the rounded waffle fry, it's terrible. But I guess we're not talking about fries. We might have that for another draft. We're talking about chicken establishments. Based off of their chicken, gentlemen, who is the greatest all right, so if you're going to have to phrase it in those, in, in, yep. in those exact because words. Because we could bias it to a bow berry is great. Dirty rice is great. But if no, we, Mom would come down to one thing only. Sauce? Nope. What? We have done the taste test. Mm-hmm. We both agreed. Chick-fil-A has the worst coffee it's true. of any restaurant, but we can't judge it on that going on chicken so it's based off chicken final decision mm. bojangles really okay mm. yep. i'm gonna chime in before dustin does i disagree because if you're not a spicy person you're probably not gonna like bojangles i do like spicy but sometimes i'm just like eh, i just want plain chicken you can get the country supremes but who does that little kids I'm just we, saying. We've talked about how I have the, the palate of a little child, but I Chick-fil-A chicken, the peanut oil, fried, I mean, I think it's top-notch. It, if you can't run with big dogs, just stay on the porch. <laughs> That's my vote. Dustin, it's up to you, man. Oh, boy. All right. All right. So, I like, Bo- <laughs> I like Bojangles. I do. But... I'm going to have to say Chick-fil-A is the winner. Ooh. I love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Are you okay with that, Rob? Well, it doesn't matter if I'm okay with it. I got, we got outvoted. I got <laughs> outed. So, Hi, Rob. Chick-fil-A, two to one. 
Chick-fil-A is the champion. We didn't really have a majority there. It's just surprising. But what do you guys think? Who is the best chicken establishment? I'm sure there's, there's just better on ones chicken out alone. There. Just on chicken alone. But establishment is in there. So, I mean, you don't get the three-piece meal at Chick-fil-A. No. But you get a chicken sandwich. And it's pretty good. They didn't invent the chicken. They invented the chicken sandwich. And on that, their chicken sandwich is better than a grilled chicken sandwich from Bojangles. What did God create first? The chicken or the egg? I think I've seen, uh, what's his name? What's the Answers in Genesis guy? Ken Ham. I think Ken Ham has answered this question before. But I was just joking. But you can sign us out, Rob. We can talk about that for hours. (laughs) But I really think I've seen Kim and Ham give a legitimate answer to that question. There it would have to be the chicken. Think about it. Is it? Yeah, think about it. Is it? I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave you with that to it let you think about it. It would have to be the chicken. So for the rest of the week, that's all you have to think Why about. Why would he create the spawn first? I don't know. That sounds like I'm never coming back. <laughs> 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 all right, sign us out, right. Rob. So, yep. So, Dustin, we're glad you're with us this season. This is going to be fun. Thank you guys for hanging with us for there. Pray that it was uh, beneficial, helpful for you. Until next time. Dustin, this is where you say, keep it caffeinated, friends. Keep it caffeinated, friends. There you go. See you guys.